started something, and, and I know several parishes do this, we started something called the Lenten Covenant in our parish years ago, where it was sort of a like a menu of all the options that you could do during Lent. And so you, you choose something that is a challenge for you, but it's you know a, an attainable challenge. Welcome to a special Lenten edition of Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network. I'm Mike Trout, and our guest host this week is Father Gregory Joyce, the rector of St. Vladimir's Church in Saline, Michigan. Father Stavros Akratirinakis is a Greek Orthodox priest who serves St. John the Baptist Greek Orthodox Church in Tampa, Florida, and a regular OCN contributor. He is author of two books, Let All Creation Rejoice, Reflections on Advent, the Nativity and Epiphany, and The Road Back to Christ, Reflections on Lent, Holy Week, and the Resurrection. During our interview today, we will focus on our preparation for Great Lent and Father Stavros's book, The Road Back to Christ, Reflections on Lent, Holy Week, and the Resurrection. Father Stavros, welcome. Thanks for having me, Father. Really glad to have you with us again. Um, Father, can you give our listeners a brief overview of your book? Sure. Um, I've been writing a daily uh, reflection for about three years, and most of that time it's been on the OCN uh, website. And I took a, a group of the reflections that I wrote during the Triodion and Lent and Resurrection period and compiled them into a book. Um, so there's about 130 different reflections there, one for every day from the beginning of Triodion up until All Saints' Day, so all the way through Lent and Holy Week and after Pascha. Um, and each day has a, a verse or a passage of Scripture, a reflection, and then a prayer or a psalm at the end. Um, and the majority of the, the uh, reflections during Lent focus on the Scriptures that will be read at the Holy Week services. So uh-huh. the beginning of Lent, we'll start off with the, the story of Lazarus and Palm Sunday, and then as we get toward Holy Week, we will get up through um, the, the death and burial of Christ. And one of the other things about the book is that a lot of people... Um, enjoy doing additional reading during Lent. And then after, right after Pascha, it, it kind of trails off immediately. And so the book will go well past Pascha, will go eight weeks past Pascha. One other thing about the book that I would like to say is that I try to write, as I call it, common stuff for the common person. Um, you don't need a dictionary or a theology degree to read the book. Um, and it's just it's a certain writing style, and that's the kind of style that you'll find in the book. That sounds very approachable, Father. I think that's really important for people. They can often be kind of overwhelmed or, uh, you know, a little a little scared uh, about picking mm-hmm. up an Orthodox book, especially at this time of year. Yes, and, and each day is about 800 words, so it's a short, about two pages a day, so it's not a, a long period of time. And, it, and if you, you know, read a passage of Scripture or read the daily, daily readings from the Archdiocese, this is a nice compliment. You can do both of them in probably under 10 minutes. Oh, that's great. Everybody's so busy now. You almost have to put it in your calendar to make these things happen. So that, that's wonderful, yeah, Father. I think that leads really to a, a, a logical next question, which is about how can we look at the, the suffering, or maybe the struggle is a better word, of Lent uh, in a positive way? You know, we've been conditioned in our society to think of Lent as a season of deprivation, like I've got to give up something, and then that's a negative, something I really like and I can't have it. And then as Lent goes on, you think to yourself, like, well, we're halfway through, I'm halfway through depriving. And then when, when Pascha comes, instead of the joy of the resurrection, um, we're saying, oh, thank God, I get my chocolate back. Um, right. And so you, this season of deprivation becomes, as soon as the resurrection happens, a season of regression. And so two comments on this idea. 
One is that fasting, which is the thing that we are most depriving ourselves of, um, the idea of fasting does not have so much to do with food as it does with control of our minds, control of our bodies, control of our actions. Um, there's a word in, in Orthodox terminology called the passions. Now, many people get confused what that means. Like, I have a passion for reading the Bible. Like, that's a good thing. But when we talk about how I have a passion for cooking or a passion for community service, I mean, those are good things. Um, but in, in the Orthodox language, um, when we speak of passions, we're, thinking, we're speaking of things like ego and greed and lust and power. These are passions like vices. They're things that are not good for us. And so the passion that we have most often in our life is, is a passion for hunger, for eating. I mean, you can get through a day without an angry thought or a lustful thought, but you can't go more than a few hours with a hungry thought. And so the idea of fasting is to temper a passion we all have for eating, and then by training ourselves to go without certain kinds of food, we're hopefully going to be training our minds to go without certain kinds of behavior. So if I can be disciplined in what I'm eating, then hopefully I will be disciplined in what I'm saying and then I'll be disciplined in what I'm thinking, and then I will be more, you know, focused on what I should be focused on. And that's really the, the, the thrust of fasting. I mean, there are people who say, I have no problem. I can fa- I'm a vegan. I don't fast at all. Well, then you need to take something that you're uh, very into and temper that so that you can temper the other things that we shouldn't be into. The second comment is that if you were to plot out, and I did this once on a, on a poster board in a sermon, if you were to plot out spiritual growth, like on a graph, all right, so imagine your baseline on your graph, and you say, all right, it's the year 2018, and I'm at zero, and so I'm going to become like an ultra-Christian during Lent. I'm going to fast, pray, go to every service, and I'm going to jump up to level 10. And then when, when Pascha is over, you say, okay, I, all right, I'm done with all that, and, and then you regress back to zero. And then next year you do the same thing, up to a 10, and then a zero, and a 10, and a zero. And so over years, you see there's no growth there. Mm-hmm. And so what I tell people to do is don't try for level 10. <laughs> try for level 1, and then maintain 1 all year. And then next year, go for level 2, and then maintain that all year. And then level 3, and maintain that all year. Um, to make an analogy, um, let's say that you wanted to run a marathon and you've never run a mile before. So the first thing you do is you work up to running a mile and then you run a mile for a while until that's comfortable and you add a second mile. And then after a while that becomes comfortable and you add a third mile. And so I look at Lent as the period of the year where we're adding an extra mile and the rest of the year we're maintaining the thing that we added. And then next year during Lent we add another mile And then over the course of many years, you actually see marked growth. You can see this is where I was, you know, 10 years ago and where I am now by adding and then maintaining. Um, So so it's really a a positive paradigm, not a negative one. Yes, absolutely. And and I look forward every Lent, like, what is the one small thing that I can add to my life? Not for Lent. I'm going to add it for life. I'm just going to add it during Lent. And after 40 days of Lent, it's a habit. That's great. Maybe you could talk about some realistic goals uh, that people could set for themselves uh, for Great Lent, because at least in my experience, people tend to just 
set goals that are completely unattainable and then get disappointed that they haven't uh, reached those goals. Yeah, amen to that. Um, we started something, and, and I know several parishes do this, we started something called the Lenten Covenant in our parish years ago, where it was sort of a like a menu of all the options that you could do during Lent. And so you, you choose something that that is a challenge for you, but it's you know a, an attainable challenge. So, like, for instance, um, we have services every week, uh, the Compline on Monday and the Presanctified on Wednesday and the Salutations on Friday. And so, you know, a lofty goal could be to attend all of them. But if you're not used to being at church three nights a week, that's a very difficult goal. So what I'll tell people to do is, why don't you pick one night a week and come to one of the three services? And and so people say, okay, I can do one night a week. Mm-hmm. Or um, why don't you go to one of each of those services during Lent, one compline, one pre-sanctified, one salutations. Um, so you get to experience the flavor of Lent. If you can't commit to one night a week, how about three nights for Lent? And then people are like, wow, I could do that. I could do three nights of Lent. Uh, or I could do one night a week. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling overwhelmed, like how can I go to all these things, um, people will get a taste of them, and that's a great that's a great place to start. Um, people who have never fasted before, they don't know what it's like to um, not eat meat at all. I tell people, start off slow. Try doing the Wednesdays and Fridays of Lent, or Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or another level would be the first week of Lent and Holy Week, and then Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Or try doing the whole thing without meat. If you've, if you've mastered Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then try the whole, without meat. And if you've mastered that, then try without fish. And if you've mastered that, then without dairy. But if someone says, I've never fasted before, I'm going to give up everything, they are going to be discouraged in short order. So right. um, you kind of grow, again, every year. This year I'll start with something small, and next year I'll add to it. Absolutely. And, you know, now that we're in this preparatory time, um, maybe it's good to briefly talk a little bit about how people could prepare themselves. Uh, We just talked about thinking about what's realistic, setting realistic goals, but are there other ways you could uh, suggest that people might prepare themselves for Great Lent? In our uh, community, we started something this year called uh, One Word Resolutions. I actually got this out of a book called My One Word and it was at the beginning of the new year, instead of saying, write down all your resolutions, which you're going to forget and certainly not be able to keep, I suggested, why don't you write down one word that'll define you during the year? And so, and Because you can check in with one word. You can remember one word. You can check in with that one word every day. And so what I'm going to challenge my people to do for Lent, my congregation, is pick one word that's going to define you for Lent. Maybe that word is going to be um, slower, you know, like slow life down. Mm-hmm. Maybe that word is going to be repentance. Maybe that word is going to be kindness. Um, but pick a word, and then every day check in with that one word um, and make some goals that are around that one word. Uh, communion might be your word, or worship, or prayer, any number of words. But pick something that's one word, you can remember it, and then check in with it on a daily basis. Um, that's a great way to prepare for Lent. Uh, another thing that people should do is that during this period of Triovion, this three-week period, four Sundays before Lent, this is really our time to make our plans so that when Clean Monday comes, it's go time. It's not plan time. We're ready right. to execute the plan we've already made. Um, so it requires some sitting down and some thinking 
write something out on paper. Uh, another thing to do is get somebody to be accountable with and accountable to. If you've got a friend or maybe in your family, set some goals together and then share your goals with other people so that they can encourage you and check in with you. You know, share if you're going to do the one-word thing. Maybe create a one-word for your family or one word for each person in the family and then be able to check in on that at dinner uh, every night. That's a great idea. You know, I think you're, you're absolutely right. How many times I've seen folks sort of standing there on clean Monday trying to figure out what they're going to do for lunch. You can lose that whole first week, and that's an important week. And it's also time if you're going to, let's say, go to one, a one-night-a-week service it's time to start looking at your calendar and, and planning out when those nights are going to be. What, what are you going to do the first week or the second week? What are you going to do over spring break? You know, maybe you take the, the spring break when there's no school that week and say, you know what, that's the week we're going to go to the Wednesday night service because right. it's school night. But have some forethought. And, and the same thing with Holy Week. You know, start clearing your, your calendar from a couple weeks ahead. You know, make sure that you've you paid your bills or cleaned the house or mowed the lawn or, you know, these, these extra things so that when Holy Week comes, um, you, your tasks are minimal and you can get the, the, the greatest uh, impact from the Holy Week journey. Exactly. Well, Father, those are some great ideas, great strategies, excellent tactics. And, uh, you know, I think at this time of year is so spiritually, can be so spiritually profitable. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, your words are going to really sink down deep into people's ears and, and, and help them very much as they prepare for Lent and execute. Thank you, Father. I, again, um, this is a really blessed time of the year. I look at it as a blessed time, not, not a busy time or a stressful time. It's, it's a great, joyful journey that we take. It can be difficult at times. It can be very introspective. The, the Church Fathers call it a time of joyful sadness, because, you know, as we look into ourselves, maybe we're sad about what we see. But I focus more on the joy. Uh, this is the, the period of time where we get to be in church the most. Uh, we're, we're most conscious of growing in our faith, and, and I hope that people will, will take advantage of that and really embrace it with, with joy and enthusiasm. As do I. Uh, the book that Father has recently uh, written, The Road Back to Christ, Reflections on Lent, Holy Week, and the Resurrection. Father Stavros, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Father, and have a blessed Lent. And to all of our listeners, have a blessed Lent and, uh, and a fulfilling, purposeful journey. And to you, Father, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. God bless you. And a link to where you can obtain a copy of that book by Father Stavros is right there on our website at myocn.com. That's myocn.net. You've been listening to another edition of Come Receive the Light. We have been doing this for over 20 years, and you can find our archives of conversations on the website. Just click on the radio button on the homepage of our brand new website. Again, it's myocn.net, and then select Come Receive the Light. I'm Mike Trout. Our regular host is Father Christopher Metropolis, the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology. Special thanks this week to our guest host, Father Gregory Joyce, the rector of St. Vladimir's Church in Saline, Michigan. We'll be back next time with another edition of the broadcast. Until then, remember to always have faith in what you listen to. I see the world your way, and I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in the light.